is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Graham asked me to speak this morning about growing in the prophetic. Um, something that's quite, you know, really dear to my heart. Something that I'm excited actually to speak about. Um, which is uh, good. <laughs> um, what I want to say, first of all, really, is that I'm still learning about this. I've not got there yet. Um, I felt when I was preparing the passage where Paul says, not that I've already attained or obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Um, it's Philippians 3.12. And it really speaks about how I'm, Kind of approaching today, really. Um, I'm going to share something about what I've learned, um, something in my passion for the prophetic, with the hope that it will encourage you and spur you on as well, um, so that you can e- you'd eagerly desire this gift and um, that it would be used more amongst us as a people. Um, my prayer this morning really is that you'd go away with some tools to use to grow in this area, um, um, and. Um, I've also spent, you know, obviously time praying about this, and some of what I say might not be quite what you're expecting. Um, so uh, I thought I'd put that out there. Um, I want to read a passage at 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. Um, I think it fits really well with where I'm going this morning. So, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the spirit on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consol- consolation the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church now i want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church might be built up. Lord God, I just pray that you will speak um, the words that you want to say, that they'd land in people's hearts today. um, And that, yeah, you just really encourage us all to, to grow in this area. Amen. In the passage here, Paul commands us to follow the way of love and to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. This was his encouragement to the Corinthians, and it's fairly clear that this encouragement would be the same for us. The Greek word used for eagerly desire is zelou, I don't know if I pronounced that right, which means to burn with zeal, to be zealous in the pursuit of good, and to desire earnestly. So what's important here is that earnestly desiring things isn't bad. Paul here is commanding us to do it. We're encouraged to seek after and desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul encourages us that prophecy should be one of the gifts which is especially desired. So often as Christians, we can be very religious and feel that we must give up lots of things. And so earnestly desiring something can sometimes feel a bit weird. This isn't God's way. Every good gift comes from God, James 1.17. And we're taught here to desire God's gifts. 
The original Greek word, propheteo, I haven't said that right either, um, oh well, helps us to get at what Paul was really thinking of when he talks of prophecy. The word means to utter forth or declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation and under such prompting to teach, refute, admonish and comfort others. So prophecy is seen by Paul as a really important gift and covers a whole load of areas. It's not just talking about little encouraging words, but teaching, admonishing and comforting people. We need to have a better understanding of the largeness of the prophetic gift. Now, I'm not going to have time to hit everything this amazing gift has this morning. I don't think we need to, uh, hence the title. Um, We do need to see that prophecy can sometimes be reduced to pictures of cows in meadows and sunflowers in fields. And whilst these types of words can and may be really encouraging and beautiful and can help us worship and give God glory, it might not be exactly what Paul had in mind when he wrote that sinners would fall down and exclaim, God is amongst you, 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Prophecy is something that can help unlock situations in people's lives It can equip the church to know what is on God's heart. It can give us direction for the next phase of God's work in us. It can also reveal to us the wisdom and majesty of God's plan for salvation, not just for us, but for all, but for those who come to know him in the future. We need to understand that prophecy in the New Testament also unlocked new nations for the gospel and allowed the church to grow, not just amongst its first hearers, the Jewish nation, but also amongst the Gentiles. Prophecy helped set the course of the church for the next 2,000 years. So shouldn't we also expect that prophetic ministry should have the same effect today? God's words and our words are incredibly powerful. You see, the Bible says that words are powerful. The words you say over yourself morning by morning, or which have been said over you, can control you, whether they be good or bad. Even words that were said to you many years ago can still have an impact. James 3.6 says the tongue can be a fire that can set the entire course of life. Whilst Proverbs 12.18 says rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And Proverbs 15.23 speaks of an appropriate answer, bringing joy and a word in season is good. I think this is really telling as we look at prophecy that the Bible teaches us to be careful what we say and how we say it. Again, Proverbs 15.4 encourages that a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. It's really clear that words can take hold and rob you of truth. They can cause you to fall. They can cause you to be discouraged. And they can cause you not to attempt the things God has called you to do. It's really important we don't allow this to happen because as God's people, we want to fulfill his plans and purposes. Let's be honest, it's not just things which people have said in the past that hurt, inappropriate, badly chosen, or just downright hurtful words by friends, colleagues, or a passerby can be said at any time or place. And it's really important that we try and deal with these straight away rather than letting them fester and affect our hearts. And they can become something that was never intended Um, I think there's one way um, that um, is called the ABCDE method. 
um, which can help. And I've got some printouts of that, and it will also be on the website later. And it just helps us work through those uh, words and try and dispel the, the, the wrong beliefs around them and encourage us to move forward from them. Um, I'd like to come back to that at the end. Um, anyway, so, so just, just as prophetic words can be negative and destructive and can hold us back, they can also be positive and lead us into new things, renewed faith, renewed hope, and a sense of purpose. So a bit of my testimony. I'm privileged to have grown up in a Christian family. Ever since I was small, I've always been part of a local church. And I felt a clear draw towards this gift. In my parents' church, everyone was encouraged that they could hear from God and share what they felt God speaking. And I was able to do this both in sort of adult settings and also amongst sort of children youth groups when I was younger as well. And we were regularly asked, I was regularly asked whether I felt God had given me something to say and if I could share what I felt he was saying. Um, and more often than not, I did have something or I found that as people asked that something came into my mind and it usually fitted in with what God was already saying or opened up something in, in a sense in the spiritual that, um, where we saw the Holy Spirit move in a, in a greater way in the meeting, which was really exciting. Um, one of my friends at youth actually used to call me Mr. Kodak, um, as I quite regularly had a picture um, pretty much every time we met, but you can tell. Um, so I can honestly say it was something that I eagerly pursued, something that I wanted to grow in. Um, one year at Stoney Bible Week, which was a, an event run by New Frontiers, uh, a guy called Matt Hatch was taking a series of seminars about the prophetic, and so I went to every single one. Uh, most people sort of, you know, went to different subjects. I went to all of his that whole week, um, and more recently got to know him uh, personally, and uh, I asked him whether he remembered that, and he's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> So it was obvious that God was stirring something in me, even to people around. Um, I wanted to hear God personally. I wanted to hear stories and be in meetings where God was speaking to people and people were sharing words for one another. I find it really exciting. Um, I love being in meetings like that. Um, and there's partly be- the, the passion came partly because I didn't see enough of it and I wanted to see more. Um, and I've also received words from, from various people about having some form of prophetic ministry. And again, that really excites me and also scares me. It's a big responsibility. Um, how do we go about learning to prophesy or prophesying? Know your Bible. First and foremost, we must know our Bibles. Now, you can hear me saying, I can hear you saying, sorry, that's a bit obvious. But it's really key. When we know our Bibles, we know that desiring spiritual gifts is a good thing. What is also important is to note from this passage and the wider context of Corinthians is Paul was encouraging a church which had some very wacky ideas. What was he encouraging? He was encouraging them to be more prophetic, not less, saying that they should eagerly desire this. Despite the fact that the church at Corinth was prone to odd behaviour, hence him writing the letter, it would seem easier for Paul to discourage them from public use of prophecy or the gift of tongues to avoid heresy. Instead, he encourages them 
by saying, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And we can see that we are all encouraged to prophesy. Actually, every time we meet, Paul says each one has a hymn, a revelation, a lesson, a tongue or an interpretation. And Peter says that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So on this basis, our expectation that each one of us should be able to bring prophecy, which encourages and equips us as a church family, isn't unrealistic or unbiblical, but it's actually encouraged in the New Testament. Another reason for us to know our Bibles is that we need to be able to weigh what we feel God might be saying. Julian Adams, who many of you here will know, says in his book that we must not and cannot attribute the same authority to prophecy as to scripture. He's saying that prophecy must be weighed against the evidence of of scripture and how God is revealed in scripture. If you don't know the Bible, how will you be able to weigh what you feel God is saying? So it's really important that the Bible is the finished revelation of God. If you feel he might be speaking to you, but it doesn't match up with the Bible, then it's probably not from God. <laughs> you see, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We're encouraged by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14.29 to weigh prophecy, and in 1 Thessalonians 5.19-22 not to put out the Spirit's fire or to treat prophecies with contempt. We're told to test everything, to hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. So we need to spend time with, with our Bibles, reading it, knowing it well, so that we can expose prophecy that isn't from God. This, we need to do this for any, any prophet, anybody. It's not just for super-Christians or mega-prophets. Um, these are unhelpful terms anyway. It's a gift for the whole church, and we need to, we need to spend time in our, in our Bibles. So how do we go about hearing from God and bringing prophecy I'm sure that there are many ways of doing this, but I'll tell you the way that I normally do that. If I'm praying for someone or I'm asked to pray for them, I simply ask God to show me his heart for them. I ask him if there's anything that's holding them back or something they need to hear from him. Very often I feel a picture pop into my head or a song or a scripture, or I'm simply reminded of a phrase or section of scripture. To be honest, it could be anything really, as long as it lines up with what the Bible says. As we said earlier, it's really important to know our Bibles because when we do, often God will speak to us directly from a passage for somebody that will open up their heart. Um, and many prophetic people find that they're reminded of Scripture that, that just transforms people's hearts or minds. Um, or they just read it in a different way that people hadn't seen it before. Um, I sometimes find that I can look across a room and, and sense what God might be saying to somebody um, some, maybe something they're wearing or the way they're standing and get a sense of what God might be saying um, whether it's any of those ways a phrase, a picture, a scripture recently I was praying for someone in, from Shrewsbury um, and I've, I felt reminded of a part in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade a bit random um, where Indy takes a leap of faith 
And uh, we've been praying about stepping out and trusting in God. And you know the scene. As soon as Indy steps out, he realizes that there's a bridge there that he can't see. And prophetic words can be as simple as that, an encouragement to keep stepping out. God is there right ahead, even if we can't see him. So how do you share a word if you feel you've heard from God? Really important, avoid saying God says or thus says the Lord. This can be really unhelpful because it gives unhelpful weight to what we're saying. We aren't God and our words are powerful anyway and we won't always hear correctly. If what you share is from God, it will stick without any added pressure. If it isn't, then it should be able to be forgotten or stored away somewhere. It shouldn't be something that controls someone. It's better to say, I feel God might be saying, please weigh this. If it isn't right, people then can more easily brush it off or say, no, I don't feel that was right. Avoid sharing on your own. It's better to bring prophetic words with someone else there praying to, as they can help the person weigh what's brought as well. And there's also less pressure. In general, we'd suggest when you're praying or prophesying, uh, don't do that on your own, but especially on your own with someone of the opposite sex. This isn't helpful. Don't forget, if God moves, they can be really emotional. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. If you're not sure, ask people, is this making sense? Find out what God's doing. We can over-spiritualise things sometimes. The Holy Spirit isn't going to run off if we ask them a question. Let's be really clear. Prophecy is meant to be used to bring faith and speak encouragement to people. Isaiah speaking says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. If your word isn't encouraging or it won't produce faith, it may not be from God. It probably isn't. If you feel that your word is from God but it isn't that encouraging, I'd really recommend you speak to a senior leader or another Christian with ex more experience than you before sharing anything like that with anybody. A good rule of thumb is, if it speaks to you and encourages you, it's probably good and it may speak to others in the room too. It's easy to say all negative or non-encouraging words aren't from God, but I didn't want to say that. It's a sweeping statement and actually might be really unhelpful. I know of two instances where God had given people words that didn't sound very encouraging. I'll share them. A friend of mine in Zim confided in me that she had a very vivid dream in which a senior leader and his wife were going down a river together and everyone was cheering, rejoicing and doing really well because they were together. But they hit some rapids and the wife decided to get out whilst the husband carried on going and got into real difficulty beginning to drown. My friend wasn't sure what to do. Neither was I. <laughs> I suggested that if she was worried about the dream, that she should go and speak to one of the other leaders of the church and share it with them. Now, what sounded like a really negative word actually turns out it wasn't. They were in the process of making a significant decision about their future together in ministry, and there was division in what they had faith for. This word helped them to continue praying through the situation, and they both eventually went back ahead together and were able to pioneer a really significant work which is still growing and has influence today. I had a dream a number of years ago about a couple who were also from Zim. We were all in a crowd together 
and uh, the woman became overwhelmed by the crowd and she and I were separated from her husband. Um, I twice had to stop her from being pushed over and being trampled. And in another part of the dream, um, I somehow was brave enough to tell robbers who were stealing from their house to put stuff back. Um, I woke up really shaken by this um, and there was a real negative tone to it. So I didn't want to email them and say, hey, I've had this dream. Um, but the next time I saw them, I shared it with them. Um, the wife had been in hospital very ill and the doctors had come three specific times and said to the husband that she's moments away from death. Um, but miraculously, each time she pulled through. Um, what was even more amazing about this story was that there, loads of people from all over the world had had similar sorts of um, dreams or just felt an urge to pray for them at that moment, um, whether they knew what was going on or not. So what seemed like a really discouraging word at the outset caused both to seek God and make godly decisions. They also caused me and my friend of mine and Zim to pray for the situations uh, more carefully um, and to share with someone else um, what, what we felt God was saying, even though we weren't sure what to do with it. So the final bit of advice from this section is don't be too, too concerned about always getting it right. You don't want fear to paralyse you and stop you from saying anything. If you're worried that what you have isn't from God, then obviously share it with someone else first before you go and share it with the person. But if you followed the pointers above, go for it. A one well-known leader says that if you don't know what to say, just make it up. Um, now that sounds a bit odd, um, maybe a bit radical, uh, possibly heretical, but what, what could that mean? I think what they're getting at is that if we know Jesus, if we're a Christian, we have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we're trusting God to speak, and sometimes it may feel like we're making it up. We should be able to speak out words of truth and encouragement without trying too hard. It should be natural. If you don't know what to say, get on and say something. We can be so stuck with not knowing what to say that we never encourage anyone. How do you think anyone starts prophesying? By beginning to say something. You also don't have to have every little thing you're going to say sorted before you start. You may have a vague sense of something, just begin sharing, often the rest will come as we step out. And anyway, what's the worst thing that could happen? If you follow the directions above, um, the worst thing that can happen is that someone say it didn't really fit. Um, don't let this stop you, keep persevering, keep trying, don't give up. Learning something new is never easy. It's like riding a bike. You don't do bunny hops the first time you get on a bike. You tend to have training wheels. Uh, you get braking and steering. Then you learn to balance, and gradually the wheels are taken off. Um, if you only manage to encourage one person, isn't it worth all the times you haven't quite heard right? I think it is, and that person will too. It could change the course of their life. God can and wants to speak to you for you as well. He wants to encourage you and speak to you. Take time out to allow God to speak uh, about your own situation. You can ask him the same questions I do. God, what do you want to say? What do you want to encourage me in? Um, God will speak to you. Um, obviously, you need to weigh that as much as any other word, but um, you can share that with friends around you. How do we weigh prophetic words? 
We need to make sure we think and weigh prophecy correctly. We need to do this whether it's somebody uh, who's recognised as an, has an international ministry or just in the person next to you. We all make mistakes. We can all hear, but we can all hear and bring words from God. So if someone has given you a word and you don't feel it's from God, be encouraging to them, but let them know you don't feel it's right. They may be able to focus on exactly what you're saying. They might be able to rephrase it. Um, Just remember, prophetic people make mistakes like anyone else. Uh, Julian's written a book, which is really good. It's called Gaining Heaven's Perspective, and he has nine rules for judging prophetic words. Are they soundly based on God's word? Do they bring glory to God or the speaker? Does the word edify, exhort, and comfort? Are there signs of manipulation and control? Is it supernatural? God told me to tell you. Does it bring confirmation? Is the word coming to pass? Does the level of prophecy match up with the person's character, i.e., does it match their, their stature? Um, are they well known for bringing prophecy or are they just a beginner? And is it consistent with God's character as revealed in Scripture? Jack Deere, also written a very good book uh, about prophecy, which you can recommend, says, Emphasize the main and the plain, not the rare and the bizarre. Don't do or say anything strange without clear leading from God. Don't do or say anything that is potentially embarrassing or harmful to someone else. Um, you can object to that by saying, well, Elijah and Elijah did. Um, but I'd probably counter that by saying they were prophesying against God's enemies and you're ministering to his children. There's a big difference. Um, you're not Elijah. And if you have his commitment and skill, then you may be given a bit more latitude. <laughs> Repeat after me. I'm not an exception to the rules. I'm a beginner in the school of prophets. Um, And then his last four uh, are as rule for and strive to be as normal and unreligious as possible if you want your message to be received. Often churches haven't been great at encouraging prophetic people. Uh, Even in our family of churches where we hold prophecy as a high value, people can sometimes feel like they're on the edge. But 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us Um, that prophecy is a key gift. Um, It's the sort of gift that lifts people's focus from their surroundings and back onto Jesus. It encourages us to step out. Uh, In Ezra 5, 1-2, it says, Zerubbabel and Joshua arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. These prophets were fully involved in the rebuilding process uh, in Jerusalem. They weren't on the edge they were supporting all that was going on. Prophetic people can often be thought of or brought out like a sideshow. Please tell us what God might be saying. This is really unhelpful, not only for them, but it misrepresents the gift from us. Prophets are meant to be part of the community and are meant to be working and contributing to the wider work. Some final things on, on sharing. If you bring a word on a Sunday, it's really important you share it with someone leading the meeting. It will help you weigh it before it's brought. Um, And then it will also help people fit it into the meeting. Sometimes you'll find that there isn't time to share every word that God gives from the front. 
but that doesn't mean he hasn't spoken. Um, please be gracious and don't get offended. Most of all, keep on hearing and sharing what God is, feel, is speaking. Oftentimes, it may just be but simply because there's lots of similar words that are on the same theme. If that's the case, be encouraged. God's obviously speaking to you. Also, don't, uh, when um, praying, um, look for the person that you uh, think will be able to share the best word. God can speak through anybody. Um, it doesn't need to be someone that's been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years. It can be the person that became Christian last week. God can speak just as equally through them as he can through anyone else. So don't assume we know how God will speak to us or who he will speak to us through. It could just as easily be someone at work that challenges you. So our vision is to see many people bring words in all sorts of situations, both on Sundays and in life groups and when we're praying for one another. Our vision is that our meetings would be so full of the Spirit and full of people hearing from God that there isn't physically enough space or time to share all the words that people are bringing. God is speaking to, so that God is speaking to everyone so much that we have to bring some order to it. I don't think we're there yet. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 33 talks about um, how you would uh, do that. So letting two or three prophets speak and others weigh. Um, we're not at that point yet. Prophecy isn't just for Sunday mornings. And being prophetic people isn't just about... Um, um, sorry. And being prophetic people is about bringing a different atmosphere to the communities we live in. It can be really practical. Sending a card, sending flowers... Encouraging someone you know who's struggling, you may feel you may need encouragement. We can be just as prophetic painting fences or sprucing up a garden for someone in need as we can bringing a scripture or a word on Sunday. What's the message? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So... Who do you know who could do with an encouraging word, a card or some flowers this week? When was the last time you stepped out and brought a prophetic word for someone? If you regularly bring prophetic words or feel God speaking to you, do you pass these on or do you keep them to yourself? If you do have a prophetic gift, and you're, are you growing in it? Are you staying put or are you letting it die away? Okay, um, Graham wanted Cat uh, uh, and I to um, share some words that we felt God speaking to us about this week, um, and we wanted to give time to that. Although we're bringing these words from the, the front publicly in the meeting, these words, as with any other, need to be weighed, not only by the person receiving it, by, but also by us. If these don't sit right with you, or you feel like they aren't from God, then please hold them lightly. In doing this, we also want to share something of how we felt God speak to us and so demystify the way that God can give words for each other. If, if we have a word for you and you're able to, could you stand as it would be easier for us to talk when standing? Okay. Um, 
first one I'll share um, is about daffodils. Um, interesting. I was looking on the windowsill uh, while praying, and I noticed that we've got some daffodils in a pot, and they're wilt, beginning to wilt. I was drawn to this and had a sense that there was someone here who felt like that, like they'd been doing... Sorry, they'd been like or been doing something that was like a beautiful daffodil, but you're wilting because you haven't been out in the sun. Sorry, you have been out in the sun uh, and you've got scorched. Uh, You feel confined uh, in the pot you've been put in or you've been boxed boxed in and haven't been watered enough. Just wondered if that landed with anybody. Um, You'll know if it does because there'll be a quickening in your heart. Um, or you'll feel emotions arise when I was saying that. I don't know if that fits in. If it does, um, then I've got another part to that. No? Okay. That's fine. Um, Owls. Around our house, we have a number of owls. Uh, Cat likes those. Uh, I'm pretty fond of them too. Often owls are associated with wisdom, and I felt God um, saying that, that word, wisdom, as if someone here was really praying for God for wisdom in the situation and they've run out of ideas and didn't know what to do with it. Um, is there anyone that's in a situation like that? Okay. Uh, Chrissy, uh, sorry to pick you out. <laughs> when Graham suggested that I should bring some words at the end, your face came immediately to mind. Um, and I could see you, um, and knew that God wanted to encourage you. Um, as I thought more about it and prayed and asked God, I felt the Lord wanted to say that he really loves your passion. That although others may not understand it or where it comes from, he sees it and loves it. He loves your passion to gather children and young teens and teach them about him. I also felt reminded of the passage where Jesus speaks about his passion for Jerusalem, uh, Matthew 23, 27, pop in my mind. God has made you like a mother hen who gathers chicks under your wings, as it were, that he wants you to continue doing this and to bring safety, warmth and protection and training to people. He's made your passion infectious. Others will join with you because you're passionate. And people love being around passionate people. I was also reminded of 2 Timothy 1.6, which says, Fan into flame the gift of God in you, and do not be afraid. I sense God is going to continue to give you opportunities to speak into children's and parents' lives, not just at Jubilee, but in your workplace. He will give you words to say and the courage to say them. Not only that, but people will see through your passion and love, the passion and love of Jesus. This week I've been listening to, we bought a whole load of new CDs a few weeks ago, and I've been listening to one of them, to um, Phil Wickham's album Ascension, I don't know if you've heard it, but there's a song in there, that, and the, a couple of lines of the chorus says, and I will run, Lord, and I won't quit, chasing your heart just like David did. And that's really resonated with me all week. I've just prayed about it, and I really feel that... Um, that God's not just been speaking to me about this, but some people might find this encouraging too, so that's why I'm sharing it. So David, he was a king who was really real with God. God gave him a promise, and 
it looked like the promise would never, nothing would ever come of it, because the, the older he got, the further away he, ended, he, he um, became from being king. So God promised him that he would be king, and then he was cast out, and he was living as an outlaw. But David was real with God. David didn't pretend that everything was fine. He wrote a collection of songs and poems that we call the Psalms. And some of those are really encouraging and talk about God being a shepherd and everything being great. But some of those are really real and talk about hardship and life as we all know it. About, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me on my own? Some of them are about reminding him, reminding himself, himself that he needs to worship, needs to spend time with God. And yet, when we go to Hebrews and we look at that great list of men of faith, David is, is there on that list as a man of faith, is a man who was really real with God, who worshipped God and had a heart of worship, even when things were rubbish, even when things were tough, even when he couldn't see God's plan and God's heart in it. And he was a man who made many mistakes. If you look through his story of his life, you'll see that he made huge mistakes. Um, but yet... But yet, the Bible talks about him being a man of faith. And I just really felt that God wanted to remind us of David's heart. We often talk about having a heart for worship in the way that David did. And we often think, you know, of the nice psalms, the the Lord is my shepherd kind of psalms. But the heart of worship that David had was to worship God no matter what his circumstance was. And no matter um, how he felt towards God, no matter how he felt in himself. Um, and so I just, I just wanted to remind you that even when the promises that God has given you seem really far away, even when you can't see how possibly they could possibly turn out, that your place is, is before God in worship. And as you do that, that God will turn situations, God will change hearts, God will change your heart too. Um, and I just wanted to remind you about that. Um, yeah, to, to just run after God and seek him first. Okay, we wanted to pray for people that we'd brought specific words for. We also wanted to pray for people that uh, want to sort of receive prayer about breaking negative words. Um, For those that want to grow in this gift um, or to receive it as well. Um, For people who want to speak into, sorry, to hear God speak into their situations. Um, And anyone else that felt that those words that we shared with someone, for someone else, fitted with their their life, um, then we'd like to pray with that about that as well. Um, the other th- three words that came out in the time of worship was uh, bring a barrel, not a bucket. If you've been bringing in a bucket and you want God to give you a barrel, then we'd love to pray for you about that as well. Um, and uh, the, the word about um, something that we think is no good, bringing that to God and he'll make that precious. We'd love to pray with people uh, to... For, for that to happen in their lives as well. So um, Tim's going to help us do this. <laughs> um, we, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, last year I was speaking on um, uh, speaking on hearing from the Lord, uh, just like David has been doing this morning. And um, I had quite a specific word for somebody with, uh, with a chest condition. Um, and, and I set it up here at the front and no one responded and um and I thought oh okay god I thought I heard from you right on this but no one responded there at, at the 
at the end of the service, someone comes up to me and says, so um, I think my asthma has been healed. And I, I, was, I was quite shocked and, and amazed. And actually, I, I'd kind of st- stood up here and, and not heard anyone sort of come, come back, uh, come back and, and res- respond to this. But actually, they did let me know afterwards. And, and it is, even though what David's brought uh, about um, the, the two words that were for people that might be responding to wisdom or around you, you feel like you're almost a wilting flower that's been scorched by the sun or, or confined by your pot... Please don't feel that that is a that there's going to be discouragement coming from that, or that there's any shame in responding, because there isn't. There's no shame in responding to to what the Lord is saying. But appreciate you might not want to do that totally publicly, and and so you don't have to say what well, as you're coming up to the front. Oh, I am responding for this. Okay, we can cover, we can deal that as we're praying, but you can just. You can respond for whatever that re- for whatever that reason is, and no one has to no one has to know, apart from actually the people that are, are, are praying with you. There's no shame in that whatsoever. So do do feel freedom that we are part of a family and just able to uh, able to respond to the Lord in this. If you're feeling as a, you're feeling as a uh, daffodil daffodil. Uh, confined by your pot or wilting because you've been scorched by the sun or without water, without refreshment. The Bible speaks very clearly of, of keep on, go on being filled with the spirit. You need constant refilling. So we, we're going we're gonna to stand and respond to, to the Lord together. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. So can we stand to our feet? And if, and if you've been praying for wisdom or if you are feeling scorched, <laughs> then we'd just love you to come down the front. If any of the other prophecies particularly have, um, have resounded in your heart, particularly the way that they, uh, particularly also the words about David and his worshipping, um, then, then uh, we'd love to pray with you here at the front. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.